Hello and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. I am Jens Nelson. I am Lucas Stock. And this is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Thank you for joining us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life as we strive for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. Welcome back. Uh, We were gone last week, a little bit busy. I was sick. Maybe you hear that in my throat still. I feel a little bit congested still, but mainly over whatever it was. I kept testing negative for COVID, so maybe just some sort of cold. Who? I don't know. These days it's like, oh, it's COVID and it's it's, it's going to be my death. Um, but feeling better today, just a little lingering, um, uh, you know, cold symptoms. But uh, we're, we're back with a fresh episode and this one comes courtesy of a listener. Um, the, uh, the initials in the email were just J-E-B. Um, but it looks like in going back and forth with this person, it looks like their name is Jeremy. Um, so shout out to you, Jeremy. You sent us this email way back at the end of February, uh, beginning of March. Um, you actually sent it as like a two-part email. You said, um, hey, interested in hearing you guys talk about the man of sin, which we did do, I think, back in March. And then now we're doing the second one, which is the sin unto death. Um, I was telling Lucas before we hit record sort of uh, a little funny thing that kept happening as I was preparing this. Instead of typing sin unto death, my hands, or maybe it was autocorrect, but I kept typing sun into death, like S-U-N into death, like a little consonant swap. And I was like, dude, that sounds like a dope metal band name or something. Like, we are sun into death, Uh, you know, whatever. All that aside, (laughs) uh, we are talking about the sin. Exactly. That's uh, instead of the podcast, we're calling it quits. We're going to start a metal band. Um, but in all seriousness, we're, we're talking about the sin unto death. Um, I figured it would be good to just read the passage that this comes from briefly, and then we can discuss it. Um, I will say at the outset that this is one of the most difficult passages, I think, to interpret, or at least one of them. I don't know if there's like a, a list of, you know, the most challenging Bible passages in the entire, you know, Old and New Testament, but this has to be up there. It has to be top 10, probably top five. It's a bit, it's a bit challenging. So, Let's read 1 John 5, 16 through 17. Um, I'm actually going to read 14 and 15 as well, just to sort of give a little bit more context. Uh, the CSB titles this section as Effective Prayer. So uh, verse 14 says, This is the confidence we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. If anyone sees a fellow believer committing a sin that doesn't lead to death, he should ask, and God will give life to him, to those who commit sin that doesn't lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I am not saying he should not pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin that doesn't lead to death. So in typical, cool, Actually, sorry. Sorry to interrupt. I think... I think you misspoke or misread. You said, I'm not saying you should not pray for that, the sin that leads to death. He says, I'm not saying you should pray for that. Oh, correct. Yeah, I did misread that. Maybe I, misheard, maybe I misheard you, but but uh, just in case. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Good call out. Um, yeah. So in, in typical, like, super clear New Testament fashion, I'm sure you guys all immediately understand what, what all this means. Um, I guess, like... <laughs> 
one of the challenges I often find when I read scripture is like sort of this like back and forth clunky way of, 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 of speaking and writing. And I think part of that is simply like as people try to translate languages that are, you know, not our modern languages, um, they had a different way of speaking, different cadence, different way of articulating deep, intricate thoughts. And so that can sometimes be a challenge to present in a modern language. And I think part of what is challenging about this passage is that. Um, I know that we have a resident Greek scholar here on the podcast in Lucas, so I'm sure he'll give us a nice dive into what some of this might mean, because I know there's some like, uh, you know, some some questions as to what some of the Greek means. So I'm going to kick it to you, Lucas. Like what, when, when you read this passage about the sin unto death, what are, what are your thoughts? I mean, do you want to go into some of the interpretations? Do you want to present any thoughts about the Greek? That's a good question. <laughs> um, so like, as far as, as far as my thoughts, when, and I'm realizing now, so, so we've moved yet again. This is the last one, hopefully forever, uh, but we're still setting up our, our house we're living here now but uh it's super echoey in here because still putting together furniture still unpacking boxes all that stuff um so you know uh we'll 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 just roll with it it's not like my audio quality has ever been the best of the two of us um but anyway when i um read first john when i read first john five and come to this passage like I, i guess you know i'll echo just the the confusingness of it and and not even like i I guess more just theological confusion um the the idea of 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 understanding the words i think like especially for those used to reading the bible to like to your point you know for somebody used to reading the bible in a in a modern translation like i like the it's it's i think it's fairly like relatively straightforward to understand if you if you're reading slowly what John's doing but it does seem a little bit confusing of like well I thought all sin led to death you know on the day that you eat of it you shall surely die that kind of stuff the whole point of needing to be saved is that because of our sin we are separated from God we die all that kind of stuff um and then also there's there's you know so what kind of death is it talking about so there's some sins apparently, or one sin apparently that you shouldn't even pray for your brother or sister about. Like there, there's there's just immediately a whole host of questions that make it compared to, you know, most of the rest of First John, let alone other passages that are um, more familiar or more straightforward. Like it 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 quickly becomes uh, confusing to sort through a lot of questions. So that's definitely something I've always I've always thought. Um, and then I, not really necessarily like, I, I don't, I don't have an idea of, you know, all the, the interpretations that have been put forward or, or even, even like the major ones, um, historically speaking in terms of, um, you know, dominant or, or major views that have been, you know, held by the church at various times in history or, or different traditions or whatever, um, I didn't really do that for this episode, which is normally something I would try to do, but but I just decided to approach this one a little bit differently. But like, certainly that one of the first things that comes to mind is just the idea of like, and I and and this is you know, just sort of a little bit of of a gut response that I have in reading 
this passage in the past is just like, oh, well, you know, sometimes if you are engaged in a sin, you end up dying, right? Like, if you, like, it's hard to think of specific examples, I guess, but like, there are some sins where um, perhaps they involve acting in a, in a reckless way or um, as a result of some kind of consequence, either, you know, from other humans or some kind of divine intervention, like Ananias and Sapphira in, in Acts 5, where, like, their sin of lying to the apostles and, and lying to the Holy Spirit about what they were contributing in order to make themselves seem more generous than they really were, like, literally, that sin led to death, right? Like, both of them uh, were confronted with their lying to God and lying to the church, to the apostles. And for whatever reason, in in that moment, that particular sin, um, the Lord chose to strike them both dead on that day. And... So in that sense, you know, the people who were in the church in Jerusalem who heard about or saw Ananias and Sapphira uh, being judged, you know, in a very tangible and immediate way for their for their sin of, of lying, like, maybe, maybe what John's talking about is like, okay, if you're one of those believers, like, you don't, don't, I, I'm not saying pray for Ananias and Sapphira's repentance, you know, from their sin of lying, because they're already dead. Uh, but if if there's a sin that doesn't lead to death, so you see a brother or a sister engaged in a sin, or no, you know, become aware that they were engaged in a sin, and they're um, they quote unquote didn't lead to death, i.e., they're still alive. Um, pray for them because they need to repent. And there's a certain there's a certain kind of like simplicity there. Um, and, you know, a certain like sort of Protestant sensibility, because generally speaking, we Protestants don't pray for the dead um, and don't don't, uh, you know, continue to pray for the repentance of the dead. Um, you know, I'm sure some Protestant who does that will email us, although I have a feeling we don't have very many Protestants who do that, who listen to us. But um, but it's like it's like there's that side of it where it's like. There's a certain nice little bow tie you can put on that of like, oh yeah, it's it's actually not that complicated. He's just talking about like, if somebody's dead, you know, don't focus your prayers on, you know, that person repenting for their sin uh, because they've already been judged, you know, for their sin in this in this life and and they're they're you know they're standing before God's judgment now. So so you know. Pray for those people, those brothers and sisters who are who are sinning, who are alive, and actually have the opportunity to repent uh, instead. And you know, I mean, there's certainly nothing logically problematic with that. Like, it's coherent. It 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 fits. You know, and um, you could kind of walk away from this passage and and more or less be done. Um, but there's something about that that feels a little bit off to me. Like it, yeah. like not that it's necessarily wrong, but just there's for some reason that I and, and maybe it's just because I'm used to, you know, thinking twice about interpretations, or I'm used to there being you know a a, a variety of interpretive possibilities for difficult t- 
uh, verses and like may, maybe there's there's some sort of like psychological explanation for why this is but there's just something about that that seems a little a little random a little uh limited and like i can't help you know if i think about that as 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 an interpretation i can't help but think like but there may be more or it feels like there's more and that's kind of a weird thing, kind of a nebulous, subjective thing. But I know for me, like, there's, like I said, there's nothing wrong with the logic of that interpretation. And I don't even think that it's, you know, certainly uh, in terms of the words on the page, like, it it makes sense of the verse. Um, but there's just something, like, theologically, like, when we're talking about things like sin and death and, 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 uh, and, prayer to God, as John says, uh, for the sinning uh, person to receive life, which implies some kind of repentance um, and, and, and cleansing of their sin. Like, um, there, there, just, there seems to be something, or there seems to me that it, it's, it seems fair, is what I'll say, I guess. It seems fair to think that there might be more going on than just sort of a purely earthly um, question of, you know, life or death from a human perspective. Um, so that's kind of the one thing that comes to mind. I'll pause there. I don't know if you yeah. have, you know, thoughts about that as, as an interpretation or, or just other thoughts that that brings up, um, that come to mind real quick. Like, yeah. um, I don't want to go on without giving you the chance to address that. I, I also brought up Ananias and Sapphira, um, in, in Acts 5 and, and because, as as you think about some of these possible interpretations, I mean, sin unto death, is it apostasy? Uh, is it blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Is it God cutting somebody's life short so that they don't fall deeper into sin? Um, and so, like, one of the questions that I have, um, again, pertaining to Ananias and Sapphira, we're talking about a willful sin that they committed. Um, obviously, God has called his children to holiness, to righteousness, to... Um, becoming more and more sanctified, um, and so like w- when I th- when I think about a passage like like Acts five, um, like okay, so this this is what I wrote. So First John five sixteen says that there comes a point when God can no longer, or I guess First John five sixteen may be saying there comes a point when God can no longer allow a believer to continue in unrepentant sin. When that point is reached, God may decide to take the life of the sinful believer. I mean, that's at least one possibility from this passage. If we're talking about people like Ananias and Sapphira, naturally, my thoughts are like, okay, these seem to be believers, believers who are obviously like behaving sinfully and their lives are taken. And so like, naturally, it's like, okay, so we, I think in in our modern world, we often like to like categorize so many things as like good guys and bad guys, you know, cops and robbers and Avengers and aliens from space or whatever. Um, and so I, I wonder like, okay, so are Ananias and Sapphira in glory? Will we meet Ananias and Sapphira one day? Like, even though they sinned greatly, um, you know, is, is God's grace not sufficient? Um, and so if, if they are in glory, like was God taking their life, like again, an act of mercy, but like, even that feels like uncomfy to say that God might take somebody's life as an act of mercy to, to keep them from further willful sin, um, 
And so it's like, is it sin that leads unto death as in spiritual death? So again, is are we talking about apostasy? Like had Ananias and Sapphira continued down that path, would they have eventually apostatized and become, you know, heathens and forsaken Christ? Uh, I don't know. Like that that's where this that's what I mean by like this can be a difficult passage because we can't just read it in isolation. Like theology happens in, yeah. a, in a wide breadth of of conversations. And so yeah, yeah. Do you have a thought on and that? And I think that yeah, I do. That that brings up some interesting something that that occurs to me as you're talking is like Ananias and Sapphira do seem like a very good place to go to see to see something like this in action. Because John here is talking about brothers and sisters, so we're we're we're, we're he's he's talking specifically within the the body within the church, um, and they we we are told very explicitly just through the narrative of Acts five they committed the sin willfully, and they especially Sapphira were presented with an explicit opportunity for repentance and and rejected it, uh, you know, chose not to. And as a result of their sin, or as a direct result of their sin, they were judged uh, by having their earthly lives ended. But uh, that only makes that like that story is only a good example or a good place to go when reading First John five sixteen and seventeen, if the death that the sin unto death leads to is or or is it or at least includes our earthly physical deaths um and and so i'm not saying it shouldn't include that necessarily uh that's certainly like we've been saying uh there's no reason that that doesn't make sense of the the text in the in a in a sort of uh you know just literary sense um but it is it is interesting to think like do we like I don't know how to put this like do we have um you know do we have necessarily clear reasons to say that is for sure what what kind of death is being discussed here and I'm not 100% sure that we do you know one example might be because um he says well I'll just read it um if you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death you should pray and God will give them life so if we're taking the death, the, the sin does not lead to death, and we're taking that as, quote unquote, you know, what I'm calling like biological death, there, our human earthly bodily life life is, is ended. Um, well, then the second clause doesn't make any sense, because in order for somebody to sin in a way that does not cause bodily death, that means they have bodily life. So what does it mean God will give them life if they're already alive? So we have to figure out, is the death uh, purely or partially a, a physical death? And at the same time, uh, does the life that God will, quote, will, will give them, will, does that life refer to or include a physical life? And it seems to me that it wouldn't make sense to say, oh, well, the death is physical and the life is spiritual or, you know, whatever combination of those terms you want to say. It, it seems pretty, pretty, at least on first reading, um, that there's there's at least some kind of symmetry between death and life, and especially in light of well, if I see a brother or sister sinning, and I'm praying to God that He would give them life, um, especially in light of the rest of what John has already said in this epistle, 
where he's talking about um, he, he's talking about new life in Christ and uh, cleansing from sin that comes from our faith in Christ and all that you know it it certainly appears from where I'm sitting that he's not just talking about physical life because again in order for us to see a brother or sister sinning whether it leads to death or not um, you need to be physically alive because we're physical beings so that's something to think about where Ananias and Sapphira might be a great example of a sin leading unto death or it might that might be a complete wrong place to go yeah it could be depending on what it air quotes death what we say it means specifically in this passage. Well, but that doesn't just mean, oh, well, then it must mean spiritual death because what do we do with a sin that does not lead to, in parentheses, spiritual death? That's the definition of sin, at least seems to be the popular <laughs> one. Like, yeah. like, yeah. If if all if as he says in seventeen, if all wrongdoing is sin and there is sin that does not lead to death, if death means this state of spiritual death, i.e. separation from God, it doesn't seem consistent to me with the biblical witness from Genesis onward, um, let alone the rest of the New Testament, to say that there is some sin slash wrongdoing that does not cause a state of separation from God. Yeah. Well, so let's let's do this real quick. I I jumped back a little bit in 1 John 5. 1 John 5 says uh 1 John 5:11 says and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. And then it goes on, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have uh, in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And again, we, we read that part already. So then it, go, then it continues, if you see a brother or sister committing a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those who, whose sin does not lead to death. Um. And so I think in, in the end, I, this, this is sort of what, what I land on, and I'm curious what you think. You know, while there's been much discussion about this, the identity of this sin that leads to death, um, we can look for other clues in the context of this letter and elsewhere in Scripture, obviously. But John has been concerned throughout the letter with sins that show that one does not have eternal life abiding in him. That is, uh, with sins that do, in fact, lead to death. So if you continue to sin, continue to sin, continue to sin, it leads to some sort of death, both physical and probably spiritual. John has particular, particularly identified such sin as rejection of belief in Jesus as Messiah and Son of God. So that's one. Two, an unwillingness to obey God and pursue holiness. And then three, a failure to love fellow believers. So perhaps those are some of the sins that, that lead to death. You have a rejection in the belief of Jesus. So you, you don't believe that he's the Messiah and the Son of God. Um, you have an unwillingness to obey him and to pursue holiness. And in a, in a it related, um, you have a failure to love fellow, believer, uh, fellow believers. And so thus, the sin that leads to death 
is deliberate refusal to believe in Jesus, to follow his commands, and to love one's brothers and sisters. Um, And so this was the behavior of those who were seeking to deceive John's hearers, uh, 1 John 2.26. And so to me, that interpretation at least seems to make a good bit of sense, if not the most sense. And so, like, therefore, you know, John is not describing a sin that can be committed accidentally or even in a moment, you know, because we all continually sin, right? Like, there's the reality that, like, all sin is gradual. Um, No one just reaches, like, full degradation overnight. It's not like some little granny who's been, like, a faithful churchgoer her entire life is going to wake up tomorrow and suddenly go on some, like, crazy murder spree or something, like... John John calls for believers to pray for one another, um, lest they be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, you know, similar to like Hebrews 3, 13, uh, so that he eventually turns away from Christ and goes out from the company of the redeemed, proving that he was truly never saved, 1 John 2, 19. So like, to me, that's to, that's kind of how I've chosen to land. I, I In prepping for this episode, I read like half a dozen different interpretations, both modern and older from like, um, um, I, is it I Howard Marshall? I forget. I didn't write down the names of all the people, but like, um, uh, one of the other ones was, was BB Warfield. Um, but like people who, who have been thinking about these, these things who are, you know, theologians from the past. And a lot of it was like really confusing and trying to identify like how many believers are there in this passage? Are there one or there two or there three? What is the sin? Um, what sin leads to death? What doesn't? So like all that to say in the end, I, to me, what makes the most sense is we're simply talking about like, if you see your brother sinning, like pray for them. They, they're not beyond like that, like that sin is not going to kill them necessarily. Like they have, they can have life. They can continue to have life, but there are sins that, that do lead to death and there's not much that we can do about it. It's still like this passage still like leaves me a little bit like, I don't know if uncomfortable is the right word, but like, I still have questions, I guess. Like I still don't feel completely satisfied, even with the sort of like findings that I just presented. Um, but I'm curious if you have like thoughts based on what I just said. Like, did did that make sense? Yeah. Like this idea that like the sin that leads to death is like a rejection of Christ, an unwillingness to obey Him. I mean, the things that the New Testament talks about, but like John is just talking right. about it like in a different way. Yeah, I mean, it certainly seems like I don't want to say obvious, but sort like yeah. I'm gonna I'll, I'll just say it. It seems obvious that like. Whatever John's talking about, like, because this is an epistle written to a specific group of people, like, it's not just a random collection of, like, separate sayings that John is, like, stitching together to give them a list of things to keep in mind or a list of things to believe. Like, he's he's been talking to them for, at this point, almost five entire chapters, and so... T- like going back to the things and and more specifically the sin that he's been concerned with them understanding them avoiding them being on the watch for all that kind of stuff like you said like um the 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 belief in in jesus's actual you know incarnate existence as god made flesh and and the love that we have for the the body as a result of our love for god and christ and, and all these all these things um 
you can't you can't separate separate this out you know like there's um the only other like major interpretation that i'm aware of uh is 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 i i've heard many roman catholics point to this as uh a warrant for their distinction between mortal and venial sins sin that leads to death is mortal you know if you commit a mortal sin you're until you until that is absolved you are you are not in a state of grace and and your soul is in danger as opposed to a venial sin which you still need to be forgiven and absolved of but uh it 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 is it is not as as serious of a threat to your soul um as as a mortal sin and and you know disclaimer um I've always found that distinction difficult to wrap my mind around. Uh, and I don't, I don't mean in a sense of like, you know, that I'm not convinced by it. Like, I mean, literally like just, I'm not, I, I think I just explained it, you know, fairly like, like a summary of it. But, but if I didn't forgive me and if, you know, let me know, please send us an email or whatever. But like, um, and, and, and that actually, that, that sort of distinction, although it was not quite as developed, you know, the, 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 the categories of mortal and venial sin were not quite as developed. Like that shows up in the city of God um, in reference mm-hmm. to this. Like, like, so I'm not saying that there's nothing there. I'm just saying like, that's, that's a major application of this verse that um, is very much, you know, tangible in, 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 in practice and, and, and not just interpretation of, of a text, but um, for Roman Catholics, it's, you know, practice. And, and again, it's one of those things where I'm not, I, like I don't necessarily sit here and think you know that's just I'm really uncomfortable with that interpretation I don't think that's right it's not even that so much it's just like whether that's right or not like I don't know like is that really what he's talking about here or is that really exhaust the the uh, you know the meaning here in light of what he's been talking about so right. far in the in the in the epistle and then also I think you know I do think of um, you mentioned this briefly, like blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, um, which is a, sp- a specific sin, whatever we say that means, <laughs> which is its own <laughs> conversation. But like, it is a specific sin um, that, you know, a specific wrong action that Jesus identifies as being unforgivable. Yeah, um, which is, that's strong. That's and, like, that's intense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's certainly as strong as death, <laughs> you know, like a sin that that Jesus Christ says cannot be forgiven, right? Like that's, it doesn't get much more serious than that, <laughs> you know, it, just like it doesn't get much more serious than death, you know, in terms of like consequence for something like, like that's, that's, that's the end of the road for, for us as, as, you know, embodied creatures, like when we die, that's it. You know, and when we're talking about death in 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 a in a broader sense, if we die, you know, eternally, and our soul is separated from God forever, like that's it. You, you know what I mean? Like like that's 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 as final as it gets. And so I I am I I do tend to think that there's a connection between a sin that leads to death that you shouldn't pray for, or at least that that John's not saying you should pray for and an unforgivable sin right and then that goes back to um what is blasphemy against the holy spirit and and ultimately like 
for a for sin to lead to death to like I think what you're saying resonates with 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 what I would say as well where I'm I may be less less convinced it's limited to x y or z action in the sense of um you know the specific things John has laid out as uh what he is encouraging his audience to believe and to do um where I I wonder is how I'll word it. I, I wonder if there's a a type of um, what am I trying to say? Like I I'm wondering if there's a type of is like is John does John have in mind th- this sort of stubborn or or at least uh, extended unrepentant disposition where he's talked about, you know, those who are in Christ already in the letter, he's talked about like, do not continue in sin. Um, and, and he, and how like walking in the light means actually walking in the light, you know, like, like not, not just sinning and then going back and and asking for repentance, but like, it, it there's there's like you like you said there's there's an aspect of the Christian life of holiness and sanctification that comes from the indwelling of the Spirit our union with Christ etc. Um, and so not that we go around judging people's hearts but if if you kind of zoom out and take an objective view if you did see a brother and sister who over a lifetime um, entered into a pattern of sin that they refused to repent for or denied that they needed to repent for or whatever, um, which would, I would, I would include, you know, like people who apostatize like that, they would, that would be true of them. You know, if they didn't eventually come to a point before the end of their earthly life where they came back to the, to the flock, like, um, that would be an example of it, but you could also have others, I, I think, you could also have others who never formally cut themselves off from the body. Maybe they're um, they're they're continuing to show up at church. They're continuing to engage, you know, to to outwardly receive the sacraments and and engage in the life of the church and all that kind of stuff. But but they have a sin that they do not that they, that they do not bring out to the light and and this this continued unrepentance. Um, the end of that road. Is, de- is death, you know, the end of that road, the end of a refusal to repent, even if you are somebody who has been baptized, has repented in the past, has been grafted into Christ's body, um, to enter into or, you know, to enter back into a pattern of sin that is not repented for. And again, this is sort of over a lifetime, not just a week or a day or, or even a year or a decade necessarily. Um, just because, you know, 50 years is, and, you know, for me, an un, unfathomable amount of time, but it's not even a blip for something or somebody who's outside of time, who's eternal. So like, um, you know, there, there's, there's a recognition of like, even the person who seems the most unrepentant, you know, we we don't know what tomorrow holds, let alone twenty years from now, in terms of their soul and the work that the Spirit's doing in them. So anyway, I, I didn't. I, I kind of started rambling there, but like, 
I think that there that there's this connection between the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit and the sin that leads unto death, and we can we can we it's not necessarily a waste of time to work through specifics like more concrete examples of like somebody who is who is doing this you know this is this is the place they're at in their heart and then their action and in their belief and all that kind of stuff that is an example of blasphemy against the holy spirit that is an example of a sin that leads to death um i think i think we we can do that um but ultimately i think it has this end goal or, or, or end of the line in mind because even straight up apostasy even straight up rejection i remember i don't like maybe this is i don't know maybe you remember this like i don't think i ever even saw one of these videos but i remember um i think it was in youth group i was in like middle or high school but i can't remember if it was in a church service like on a sunday morning with the whole church or if it was in a like a youth service and it was um a, a message to just to us youth or whatever but I, I vaguely remember some reference of uh i think they called it like the blasphemy challenge or something like that, that and this familiar. was before this was long like this was long enough ago that i think it was before there were like a lot of like challenge you know like internet social media like, like challenge trends challenge. right like like <laughs> ice bucket challenge or like you know the stupid stuff that happens on tiktok where kids like die because they do ridiculous things or um or like this like like it's it was more in line with like the cinnamon challenge you know yeah. where um like that kind of, like it, it was like deep in you know it was just a few you know not that long ago but in in, in internet years it was it was deep in the recesses of like prehistory <laughs> but um but it was something where it's like you'd upload a you, you know it was it was like some you know edgy internet atheist way to prove a point or something where where you you upload a video of yourself like blaspheming like you know recording yourself verbally you know denying god and 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 uttering blasphemies basically and then the idea is well in the video i didn't get you know struck by lightning or killed even though i've you know said x y or z blasphemous thing and so that shows you know that that like the point being made is you know, whatever but it's like even even something as like like on the nose as that <laughs> or somebody who's explicitly like i am a christian i no longer want to be a christian i am repudiating my faith i'm i'm rejecting christ i'm leaving the church even something as final as that where we would say for all human perception this is the end of the line for this person and that, you know, death is where this sin leads to. Right. Um, again, like I've said, we don't know in 20 years where that person's heart is going to be. Um, and that's because we being bound by time and our own limited finitude and all that kind of stuff, we, we can't see what's going to happen. We do know that if there's no repentance for that, we do we do we can be confident that well the end of that road is death you know um if if this sin goes unrepented of this repudiation of christ or whatever goes unrepented of i i can be fairly confident in warning you that like this is this is not good this is whatever else might be a sin that leads to death this is one of them and and th that's true 
Um, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't, you know, keep that in that gravity in consideration. But even even Paul, when he gets to the point of handing, you know, his words, handing someone over to Satan as a result of their, you know, gross and infamous and public uh, unrepented sin, um, the handing over to Satan is, as he says, for their repentance. So, you know, I, you know, I'm not getting into a whole like, oh, is John contradicting Paul? No, of course not. But what I'm saying is like, um, I, I'm, I wonder if like it's true that there's a there's a sin that leads to death and um, what he's talking about when he's talking about brother praying for brothers and sisters so that God will give them life. He's talking about other sins. Um, but I still think, you know, I mean, I mean, we we love our enemies. We pray for the world, you know, like so. So I don't think that John's actually saying well, if someone blasphemes the Holy Spirit, don't pray for them. Like, if anything, they probably need our prayer more than anybody else in that in that moment. Um, but what I think he's what I think he's getting at is like the difference between the sin that leads to death and the sin that doesn't lead to death is something. It, it, it's 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 some distinction between you know sin and sins broadly conceived. And a more specific sort of unrepentant denial of Christ in, in all the forms that could take. Um, and I think what he's talking about, he says, if you see a brother or sister sinning and that in a way that does not lead to death. So these other sins where, like you said, we all sin continuously. Like it's not like those of us who are good Christians or, you know, in other words, it's not like those of us who are faithful, repentant believers don't sin. That's why we continue to place our faith in Christ and repent so that we won't be cast out from, from God's presence. You know, um, like, I wonder if it's more of a, you know, I'm talking about this thing, not that thing. Um, and whatever the, that thing is, I think it's related to, what Jesus talks about with blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Um, but it's hard for me to like <laughs> nail that down and be yeah. like, all right, all right, this is, you know, I might be wrong, but here's what I'm saying. You know, I, I, I can't even get to that point so much as just like, these are some thoughts that seem to fit with what John is doing in first John, as well as other aspects of um, teaching in the new Testament, like Jesus and Paul and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. as if this like wasn't confusing enough, and I'm not gonna, we don't need to like get even more confused. But I'm just, I'm sitting here looking at the passage again, verse 16. There is a sin that leads to death, so a sin, and then a little bit later in verse 17, all wrongdoing is sin, and there is sin that does not lead to death. So you know, again, depending on how you think about this, if we're talking about physical death, if, if we're talking about spiritual death, like. That line about there is sin that does not lead to death, like what? Well, what does that mean? We've been talking about the sin unto death, but what is the sin that doesn't lead to death? Well, I mean, what, verse eighteen: We know anyone born of God does not continue to sin. Man, that talk about a verse that you, I guess in theory you could take out of context. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. We have it right there, folks. 
Christians do not sin anymore. They are perfect once they become saved uh, from John's lips right here. The one who was the one. So that's Jesus because it's capitalized here. The one who was born of God keeps them safe and the evil one cannot harm them. Interesting. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. That's insane. We also know that the son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true by being in his son Jesus Christ and he is the true God and he is eternal life. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. And he's done. Like man, if J- yeah. John was just like going like I mean, I there is some cool stuff in there like about um, you know, what it means that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. Obviously, can Christians continue to have sin in their life? I think we're talking about a, a life that is characterized by sin versus right. people who just happen to sin because they're humans who are still fallible. Um, but, you know, unpacking what it means that those who are born of God are kept safe so that the evil one can't harm us. Um, we're children of God. We're, we're like all these things like. I think this all is playing like again. This is this is his. This is how he's choosing to end his letter. This is how he's cho- choosing to end the epistle, where he's just talked to his, uh, to his flock, to his his. I mean, he says, "Dear children," he's talking in very tender language, like d- people that I care about genuinely. Like, keep yourselves from idols, um, which again is just and, a, yeah, it's, it's a and funny juxtaposition. Yeah, and I, I can't help but think like. Somebody who's born of God does not continue to sin. All wrongdoing is sin, but there's a sin that doesn't lead to death. And, um, or there is sin, not a sin, but you know, there's sin that doesn't lead to death. And pray for those brothers and sisters. So we would say, pray for those people who have been born of God, uh, who commit a sin that doesn't lead to death. Pray for them to receive life. And and so I, I think it comes back to this idea of, like you said, uh, the life characterized by sin as opposed, or, or a life not characterized by sin as opposed to um, the person who's not been born of God where life is characterized by sin. And, and, and this, another way of saying that, I think, is repentance. You, you know, like the, the, the presence or absence of repentance in somebody's life um, leading you know leading to death or life life from god death as the the wages of sin um and and i think that's the crux no pun intended because um we know from the new testament as well as everyday experience um we don't even need to leave our own minds to learn that it is not true that christians never sin even the Christians who really don't want to sin. <laughs> um, and, and so I think that this, this idea of continuing to sin does keep in view a like continualness of the continuing to sin. And the, the sin leading to death or not leading to death um, isn't like, you know, there's a list of a hundred sins and one of them, if you commit it times up, (laughs) you know, like, um, but I think what John's talking about to, to, you know, sort of reframing what you said has more to do with, with a, a, a way of characterizing these things. 
that makes sense. A way of recognizing how um, the life of a repentant believer differs from the life of somebody who is not in Christ. Um, and as a result, the the sort of, you know, the end of their sin. Is it is it life or death? Because is their sin ended by being propitiated by Christ's blood, like in 1 John 2? Or is, is the end of it that it bears fruit in death because they have chosen to reject uh, their salvation in Christ and 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 I don't know exactly you know if somebody were to come up with like specific examples I don't know that we could work this out in a way that certainly in a way that answered all questions um, but I think that is key this idea of those born of God don't continue to sin I think well, understanding that clarifies the, the the leading to or not leading to death yeah and I think, I mean, if we take that idea of all wrongdoing is sin, I think what gets challenging is like, what, how do you define wrongdoing? Are there instances in which someone can do the same action, but for somebody it's sin and for somebody else it's not? I can't necessarily think of any off the top of my head. Um, but like, oh, well, well, maybe, I, I actually, maybe, maybe a classic example would be like lying. You know, if, you, if a lie yeah. is meant to spare somebody or to save somebody or to... Um, you know, someone's being held hostage and, and you you lie or deceive in such a way to spare people like right. that lie would not be and at least and maybe against maybe we can argue about it. But in my mind, that lie would not be a um, a sin, whereas it obviously there wrong. are ways in which you can yeah. sin in wrongdoing. Um, so like that plays into it, too. Like that's yeah. that's part of the, the murkiness. Yeah. And um uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, Romans fourteen. Um, Paul says, you know, he's talking about food, veg- you know, meat and, and vegetables. I know that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for the person who thinks it's unclean. You know, and and so we can look at like it's not just a complete moral relativism where, you know, how I think or feel about something determines what's true or not true about it but um for somebody to violate their conscience if they are convinced that this food sacrificed to idols is is unclean um like paul's point there is christian love but but you know you you can see where it's like you could have a situation like apparently in the church of rome where one person in the church ate the same meat that another person in the church rejected and both were doing the quote unquote right thing, you know? Um, and you know, even though, you know, objectively speaking, the meat isn't unclean, um, in the sense of like, there's something about it that makes it intrinsically off limits for a Christian to eat or whatever. Um, there's still there. I think, I think that's part of it too, where, um, it would be it would be wrong to eat that meat if you had the conviction that it was in fact wrong, but went ahead and did it anyway, and, and thus you know betrayed your conscience. And so like wrongdoing is sin, 
And so obviously the goal would be for us to properly understand, you know, God's law, right and wrong, justice and injustice, good and evil, all that kind of stuff. And, and we want our perception of right and wrong to be in line with reality that God has created. Um, but that we can think of, and, and the Bible gives us instances of, um, I don't want to say exceptions, but just uh, examples where because just life is more complicated than that, it's not always a one-size-fits-all of, you know, you can't eat this particular food item, period, but you can eat that one. You know, that's a lot That's a lot more straightforward. <laughs> it, it might be kind of nice, you know, to have everything in like a man, like a legal document with an index where you can just look everything up and it be given to you but that's not the way god has um revealed his law to us it's 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 uh slightly different than that but that's a little bit of a tangent but anyway yeah like i think you're you're totally right like all wrongdoing is sin is also a a really important phrase here in this in this passage because he's clarifying like like what he's talking about he's saying all wrongdoing is sin you know but there is sin i.e. wrongdoing that that leads to death and sin that doesn't um and i think that does come back to the 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 question ultimately is of repentance um now obviously if you're doing a sin that involves something that is very physically dangerous that could result in your literal physical death uh maybe think twice about it because you might not get the chance (laughs) in this life to repent of it uh and and amend you know make amends if you uh behave in such a way that you not only sin but also end up dying (laughs) so i i you know there's i don't want to let go of that reality where even if that's not the main thing john's talking about i can think of all kinds of sin that result in death and I don't want any part of that, <laughs> you know, like I don't want, ultimately I hope to not be involved in sin at all, but I certainly don't want to be involved in a sin that also causes my death or causes somebody else's death. Um, and as a result, you know, has sort of a more permanent consequence. Um, but ultimately I think the conclusion I would want to draw is repent, you know, like if you're listening, repent, repent, Turn to Christ, the only mediator and advocate, the one who's by his blood, our sins have been um, cl- are, cl- are, uh, propitiated and not just ours, but the sins of the whole world. We are, we are, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. And so repent because there is sin that leads to death. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that leads to death. So repent, <laughs> do not uh, remain in sin. Do not continue in sin, but instead turn to God, be born of God, uh, I think is probably, probably the sort of headline message that John would want us to take away from this. Yeah, no, that was good. I mean, I don't, I don't have anything else to say this. I mean, I guess I'll say thank you, Jeremy, for giving us this this great topic to discuss i mean you know listeners jeremy probably too that we love talking about these more complex and challenging subjects um we also like simple ones we like easy prep easy prep weeks and uh fun little you know theologians that have influenced us but i think it's 
there's a temptation to want to shy away from those things that are difficult or challenging, um, but maybe sometimes to our detriment. So it's it's sometimes good to do a little bit of uh, theological heavy lifting, some 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 deep contemplation. So thank you for the episode idea. Definitely. And please, everybody, not just Jeremy, send us more. Uh, because if we're going to sit here and talk about these things, it'd be great to enter into a conversation that other people are thinking about who can engage with us. So we appreciate everybody for tuning in, everybody who reaches out to us, everybody who listens. Thank you so much. Uh, obviously, there's not much of a, uh, of a of a internet podcast without the people who actually listen to it. So we really appreciate that. Um, if you do want to connect with us to discuss this or, or some other topic, let us know. Um, you can find us at Doxology Podcast on social medias or um, email at email us at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. Um, we, I mean, I always just even if even if I am, am not, uh, you know, even if I'm left with plenty of questions, I always feel more energized and excited coming to the end of a of a listener topic than than one that that we uh think of on our own not because we don't think of good topics but because it's just more fun so please do reach out we really you know it's kind of it's 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 kind of selfish please reach out give us fun things to talk about to discuss that we can engage with you in and not just um ourselves but regardless thanks again for the support um we're looking forward to continuing this, this these conversations, and we'll see you next time.